Thank you. 
your mercy never fails me all my days i've been held in your hands from the moment that i wake up until i lay my head oh i will sing of the goodness of god let's all stand and sing it together all my life you have been
you, Heavenly Father. None. Your goodness, your faithfulness, your great love for us, who can compare? There's none like you. May our hearts be drawn to you right here in this place. And each and every day as we wake up to a fresh new day, may we say, here I am, Lord. Send me. You're the one that's in control of it all, and I just want you to use me as your broken, unworthy vessel. May you use us to reach the world for yourself, to tell the world what Christ has done. We thank you for this time we're spending together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. And children, it is children's time, so come on up. Is that you or me popping? I think it's me again. Okay. All righty. We'll give it a good shot. You know what I need today? I need 25 good-looking kids up here. All right. Funny guy, huh? He's not a kid, and he's not very good-looking. Who was that anyway? Michael. Well, guys, how are you today? You know, we are standing. Well, do we have 25? Who can count? I don't think we have 25 yet. What if we don't have 25? We won't be able to have a party. Oh, goodness. Do you know we're getting ready to have a big party? Tell me, is anybody here like even close to 12 yet? I'm five. You're five. Okay, that's, that's getting there. You're almost halfway there. Six, okay, six, ten, we got, okay, wow, I know you're twins, so you're both five, if you're twins, see, that's pretty good on my part, that's ten altogether, if you took ten, plus your two bunnies, you would have twelve, and if you doubled that, how many would you have? Fourteen about, twelve, times two, 24, and then you added one, it'd be? 25. 25. Do you know what tomorrow is? Uh, Vacation Bible School. And you know what else it is? It is the 25th year that we have had Marketplace Bible School. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to be a little shepherd. You are going to be a little shepherd. And y'all are all going to have very special roles to play tomorrow. And I hope you're all coming to it. But I wanted you to be up here in the front to celebrate 25 years. For some of you, that's like five times your age. For some of you, it's four times. It's more than double for some of you. That's a long, long time. And so Miss Janet is going to come up here. I wanted you to have the best seats in the house. So you're going to get to see the people that are helping out with Bible school. You're going to get to see some of the people that even started out Bible school 25 years ago, a lot long before you were even born. So let's pay attention to Miss Janice. She's going to come up here, and then we're going to have Mr. Jeff pray for us, 
and we're going to celebrate 25 years. So, Miss Jen, are you ready? She's right over here. That's why I wanted you up here so you could see her really well and you could hear everything that she has to say. All right. Well, Vacation Bible School has been around a lot longer than 25 years, but this year we are excited to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Marketplace VBS at Westgate. So we're very excited for that. And uh, when I was first introduced to uh, Westgate almost five years ago and was told about Marketplace VBS, I figured it was a pretty big deal. But my first year in 2018, I quickly realized that it is indeed a very big deal, and for good reason. Uh, at Marketplace VBS, we get to immerse the kids into the Bible in such a unique and powerful way. And over the past 25 years, there has been so much love poured into this ministry that seeks to share the gospel with children. And as the children's minister, I am very proud of my church and how it has loved kids so well through Marketplace VBS. So this year, only being my fifth year of VBS, including one drive through I'm still amazed at this overwhelming support from our church through your time and energy, not only the week of VBS, but the weeks and sometimes months of preparation that are needed every year. So every volunteer at VBS is important, but there's a special group of volunteers that go above and beyond, and these are the VBS directors. The VBS directors spend months preparing and planning for VBS, and so much of what the directors do goes unnoticed, but their role is a huge part in making VBS a success. And I want to take a few moments to recognize these dedicated volunteers that have served over the past 25 years and as a director. And if I say your name today, I would like you to please stand so that we can all see you and recognize you. So I want to start by recognizing the original director team. In 1997, the very first Marketplace VBS was held at Westgate and was led by Sherry Cook, Janet Stewart, Sherry Fox, and Stacy Ishii. These are our original directors. All right. Throughout the years, many volunteers have served as a director. And again, uh, when I call your name, if you can please stand if you are here. Some of them are here, some of them are watching online as well. Liliana Burritz, Lene Wong, Gigi Fontenot, Sherry Peterson, Paige Carpenter, Amy Dean, Donna Swain, Karen Mills, Jody Lee, Lindsay Downs, Vanessa Mills, Christy Rios, Carol Ann Glasson, Jennifer Bowman, Lauren Stewart, Erica Roy, and Heather Elsey. So these ladies, and probably many more that I have failed to mention, have gone above and beyond over the last 25 years to make VBS a powerful ministry, and we want to thank them for their service. So in addition to the directors, the volunteers of Marketplace VBS are truly the best around, and I'm not just saying that, I really believe it. And we are grateful to all of the volunteers who have served. If you have volunteered with Marketplace VBS at any point in the last 25 years, would you please stand? All right.
I would also like to thank you for just allowing me to be just a small part of this incredible ministry. The directors and the volunteers make my job so much more fun, and we truly could not have the VBS that we do without the many dedicated volunteers that we do have. Um, there's also one person that I would like to recognize who was instrumental in bringing Marketplace VBS to Westgate 25 years ago, and that is Jeff Sandusky. In the summer of 1996, as we were, or actually the spring of 96, as we were preparing uh, for uh, VBS that summer, I began to plant the seed with some of our ladies about uh, uh, Marketplace VBS. Little did I know that Sherry Fox was already very well aware of Marketplace and knew of a church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana that was conducting this ministry. And so these four ladies went to Baton Rouge and uh, were immersed uh, in uh, Marketplace VBS, brought back their knowledge and began to enlist and train. Little did we know how large this ministry uh, would become. And it has been so exciting to see what God has done over the years to morph this ministry into uh, what it has become today. Even COVID couldn't take out Marketplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Thank you so much uh, for the many volunteers who have served uh, over the years. Thank you so much for being willing uh, to take this adventure. The church that I came from, I had tried several years to uh, insert this ministry. But unless it was stamped with SBC, it didn't make it through the front <laughs> doors of that church. And uh, so this is definitely not an SBC uh, product. They probably wish it was. It's probably one of the few ministries that they haven't taken and renamed and made it their own. Uh, but, um, uh, and so, uh, but I believe that we have one of the, the best vacation Bible schools in all of Beaumont. And uh, thank you, Westgate, uh, for allowing that uh, to be a part of this church's ministry. Let's pray together. And if you would, pray for the children that we will touch this next week. Pray for the volunteers. Uh, each day more and more it's 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 interesting on monday everybody's there bright-eyed bushy-tailed ready to go by wednesday and thursday the volunteers start getting there a little later a little later and uh, by friday we're we're definitely ready to uh, uh, be a part of the closing ceremonies and so pray for the volunteers uh, from kitchen staff to tribe leaders to those that do story time and music and crafts uh, so much that goes in into this. So join me in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Father, for your love and your grace and your mercy that you pour out upon us daily. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for what we have seen you do through Marketplace VBS over these 25 years. Father, sometimes ministries become, uh, become stale and... Um, and they don't keep their vibrancy, but that has not been the case with this ministry. We have seen you grow this ministry and do so many great things over the years uh, through uh, this special time, this, this, this one week of the summer where we're able to reach so many children. Father, I pray for the volunteers this next week. I pray that you will give them perseverance and endurance 
Father, that you will give them awareness as they minister to these children. Father, that you'll give them the right words to say at the right time. And Father, I pray that you'll begin to prepare the hearts of all the children that uh, you will put into our care this next week. Father, may we see things take place this week that will happen in such a way that we can only say it was by your hand, by your power, that these things took place. Father, I thank you for, for this church and for their willingness to be obedient to you. And Father, may you now bless that obedience and may we see great things happen this next week. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being down here to help celebrate 25 years and be here tomorrow as we get started, okay? Bring your bunny, bring everybody. Okay, well bring... Bring tomorrow, and we'll see you then. You guys can go back to your parents. All right, see you there. Well, it's exciting, and you know, as Jeff was saying, it is a pretty exhausting process of being part of Bible school. So usually we have people stand up that are helping out, but if you're helping out this week, uh, would you just remain seated, and if you're not helping out, would you stand up for just a moment? If you're not helping out this week, just stand up. Because everybody's helping out needs to be seated, right? They need all the rest. Of so now what I want you to do is look around and see the people who are seated. They're either not listening or they're helping out in Bible school, all right? So either way, they need prayer, right? So pray for them this week. Whoever's in your row, would you just look down and say, hey, after the service, just say to them, I'm praying for you this week at Bible school. I'm so glad it's you and not me. Okay, you be seated. What a great ministry, and again, I'm thankful for all the people that have gone before us that have made this thing possible, and if you have never been to it, uh, you can come and uh, watch. You do have to have a guardian, though. By the way, we, we are very protective of our kids, so if you want to come and walk around and see it, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure you have a guardian, but you can walk around and see part of what's going on. Well, today we continue our series of mandates. We took a little break last week, a couple different times we've, we've looked at different topics but as we continue our series on mandates, we've been reminded that there have been so many mandates in our lives. In fact, when we were coming back from my niece's wedding down in Mexico, we experienced one of the mandates of our country. You had to have a COVID test before you could come back in. Apparently, we didn't go to the right place, Michelle and I, because we had to go across the street from the hotel. But my sister was explaining that if you got your COVID test at the hotel, as they stuck the Q-tip up your nose, they would be handing you a negative report saying that you had passed. So, so much for all those mandates. And by the way, today's a special day because that mandate disappears today on Sundays. If you're traveling, coming back to the United States, you don't have to do that. I thought it was interesting that they don't care how we go to other countries, but how we come back is, is important. Well, in mandates, we've been reminded of the fact that we are living in a time of mandates, and God has given us mandates to follow after him. He says in Matthew 28, verse 20, I want you to teach everyone to obey everything that I have commanded you. That word teach there, it means to guard, to protect. 
It's much more than just having knowledge because we can have knowledge of something and never respond to it. Interesting enough, I remember a number of years ago, I was reading about Bill Gates when he was a young boy. And he, had a, a brilliant, he has brilliant capacity mentally. And he was able to memorize, he won a contest at the church, he memorized the entire Sermon on the Mount. And so his pastor took him to the top of the Seattle Space Needle for a meal. Now, I have not heard of Bill Gates ever express his faith in Christ. And I think that serves as an example. You can have lots of knowledge about God and what he's called us to do, but not be obedient. And so we're studying these mandates to be reminded of the importance of obeying what Jesus has commanded us. Obedience reveals that we have a relationship with God. If you love somebody, you will obey them. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We know we come to know Jesus if we keep his commandments. It's, it's evidence that we love Christ as our Lord and Savior. It moves much beyond, far beyond the whole idea of what would Jesus do. We could know what Jesus would do all day long and never do it. There's some people that are still holding grudges years into a relationship, years after the event. They know what Jesus would do. He would forgive, but they have no intent. So just knowing is not enough. Obedience also reveals our, our, uh, not only our relationship to God, our love for God, and we're reminded in John chapter 14, verse 15, I think I got those backwards. Obedience reveals our relationship to God, first of all. That we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. We're in relationship, and obedience means that we love him. There are over 600 different commandments in the Old Testament, and there are 800 in the New Testament. And then Jesus gives us about 50 unique commands for us as followers of Christ to abide by. Many of those commands are in the Sermon on the Mount, we addressed that in 2019. It doesn't mean we couldn't go back, but rather than do another Sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, we've tried to look at mandates outside of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus mandates, his commands, tells us in Scripture that they're not burdensome. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, his commands are not burdensome. In fact, to the contrary, they're life-giving. And if you're reading through the Bible, this coming Wednesday, you'll come to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, in which Moses was saying about the commandments of God. They're not too difficult. We tend to think, oh, they're too difficult, so I don't have to obey them. But Jesus has made them in such a way that we can abide by what he says. Also, this next Wednesday, if you're reading through the Bible, same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20, Moses is saying, I'm setting before you today these commandments that will give you life. He said, you have a choice to make. You can receive the blessings of God or the curses of God. The curses come when we don't follow after God. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life. And I think it's important as we think about this because some of you already through this series have been thinking, oh, there's one more thing I've got to do. There's two more things. There's 10 more things that I haven't been doing. God didn't give us his commands to weight us down. He gave us the commands to liberate us, to free us. We know what lockdowns are, right? We've experienced those. These commands aren't to give us in, put us into a lockdown, but to liberate us and to experience the very best in life. I love Psalm 23. It's such a beautiful, uh, picturesque setting of David writing about being a shepherd and that the Lord is our good shepherd. And he causes us to go into the green pastures to restore our soul that's what commands are they're designed to restore our souls not to squelch 
who we are. They're for our good. Even when we whine about them and wish we didn't have to keep them up, they're for our own good. And it's important for us to realize that they will be a challenge for us. In fact, if we're having a tough time following the commands, it's a pretty good indicator that, that we're trying to do it under our own power. And these aren't commands that are just given as a checklist. They're commands that we can only follow as we allow Jesus Christ to abide in us and we abide in him. Why? Because we live in a world in which there are two distinct worldviews. Now, some of you as college students or those who are going off to college, you know in philosophy that you're introduced to a number of different worldviews. But the truth is there's only two. What are the two worldviews? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is not Lord. Those are the only two worldviews available. Now, we can categorize them and put them in different areas, but those are the only two worldviews. In fact, I think it's very interesting that President Zelensky of the Ukraine made a statement on May 9th to talk about the war. He says, this is not a war of two armies. It's a war of two worldviews. When we talk about Scripture and we talk about the mandates of Christ, we're looking at two worldviews. And God has called us to live in his worldview of making him the Lord. There are two categories, and this is kind of a review, just to catch us up, because it's been a while since we reviewed what we're talking about here, but there are two different categories for the, for the commandments, because it's real easy for us to say, okay, follow the commands, and we feel like there's a door somewhere that says commands, and we go in there, and, and all the commands are in there, but we're not exactly sure what they are. So what are the commands? Divided up very neatly into two categories. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? Love God with all that you have, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we think about it, sometimes we can't even name the Ten Commandments. And then to hear that there are 600 commandments in the Old Testament plus 800 in the New Testament, it's important for us to see how they are broken down, just as Jesus said in Matthew 22, 35 and following. And what is the process for doing that? The process for following the commands of God is, first of all, to die to ourself and follow Christ. We can't do it on our own, and we can't do it while we're trying to follow ourselves. You can't follow Jesus and yourself at the same time. And so today we're coming to a very confusing commandment. If we look at it from our perspective as an English-speaking Western world, the command to hate. Now, if you want to look at this, uh, the scriptures, you have your own Bible, certainly. If you don't, in the Pew Bible in front of you, you can turn to page 16, 24, and 25. It's in, in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. And we want to understand the command to hate. It is an imperative that God has given us to hate. Now, for all of you that I put to sleep earlier, you're awake. Who is this madman telling a congregation of, of Christians or people who are trying to follow after Christ, go out and hate the world. What did Jesus mean when he said that? Well, let's look at it together, beginning in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 45, through 35, excuse me. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. Verse 31, 
Suppose a king is about to go to war with another king. And when he first sits down, he considers whether he's able to, to with 10,000 men, oppose the one coming at him with 20,000. If he's not able, then he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's ne- therefore, it's neither, it's neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. So whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray for a moment. God, we hear in your words some, some words that maybe sound, uh, sound contrary to what we hear in the culture today. And we also hear you say that if we have ears to hear, we need to hear what you're saying. So would you open up our minds, our hearts? Would you give us the capacity to listen to your word as it speaks to us now. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, first of all, I think it's important to understand the context of what's taking place. Large crowds were following Jesus. This is his final journey to Jerusalem. We see in Luke chapter uh, nine, verse 51, it says that he set his face, his intent. He was, he was focused on going to Jerusalem where he knew that he would die on the cross for our sins. We're in the last months of Jesus' life. And throughout all of his ministry, all types of people have been following him. Some that are very committed to what he's saying and some that are just curious. And so as Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, knowing that he's about to pay the ultimate price, he begins to further refine what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple. And the way that he says it here. And many of us are related, you've watched the television shows, the makeovers, and what happens there? Well, they make over a person or they make over a building, right? And they take what is already there and they make some modifications. Well, we understand what a makeover is, but Jesus isn't talking about a makeover, he's talking about a takeover. This would be if someone, let's just say Chip and Joanne showed up at your house and they said, we're here, to not fix her up, but to take her over. And you say, well, well, yeah, I'd love to have a new kitchen. They say, no, no, you don't understand. We're taking your house. We're taking over this property. That is a takeover. And Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to kind of pretty you up. He talked about the Pharisees saying, you guys are just whitewashed. I'm not coming to pretty you up. I'm coming to take over. And if you want to be my follower, understand it's a takeover and not a makeover. When he's talking about this idea of hating, first of all, we need to understand what it literally means. Obedience, obeying this command, means giving preferential treatment to Christ. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And we look at that face value from our perspective, And we say, this doesn't gel with what the rest of Scripture says. Because husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Wives are called to love their husbands, their children. Children are to honor their parents. Paul would write to Timothy and say, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. This is not a contradiction. You see, in the the Near Eastern culture, the word hate meant to prefer over, to have favor over. It's a great word for us to have in our culture today because we live in a time 
when if you say something that someone disagrees with, what do they say? You're a hate monger. The least little grievance in our culture, the way that we look at it as a culture, is it deserves an immediate response of shock and awe. If you disagree with someone, you're hating them, and they deserve the most powerful weapons in your arsenal. That's the way that our culture responds to it, and that's what we understand as hate. But Jesus was saying, you need to hate in comparison. You need to prefer over. Look at the Old Testament. You'll find several different times. Uh, let's, let's take the example of Esau and Jacob. We're told that God hated Esau and he loved Jacob. Does that mean that he despised Esau? Does it mean that he wanted to get rid of him? No, it mean that, meant that he preferred Jacob over Esau. We have a real problem when we look at uh, Jacob's wives. Who were the two wives that he had? Rachel and Leah, right? And you remember how that deal went down. And it says that he hated Leah and he loved Rachel. It simply meant, and just again, you know, if you ever have a chance to marry two women that are, are sisters, just don't do it. And, <laughs> and, and so you have the situation in which he's saying he, he loved Rachel. He preferred Rachel more than Leah. It didn't mean that he didn't love Leah, but he loved Rachel more. And so it's important for us to see that. There's several examples in Scripture. You think about the parables that Jesus gave in which he talked about someone going out and selling all that they had to gain a pearl of great price. Or the guy who found a treasure hidden in a field and he went and sold everything that he had so he could buy the field and get the treasure. What were they saying? I prefer this treasure. I prefer this pearl more than everything else that I have. I'm willing to push everything I have across the table to get that. That's what Jesus is saying here. Another example the rich young ruler. What happened with the rich young ruler? Jesus said, you need to hate your possessions in comparison to your love for me or it won't work. And he hated Jesus over his possessions. He preferred his possessions over Jesus. Jesus gets to the end of this. He talks about this whole idea of salt just losing its effectiveness. Well, the in, the, in, in this particular culture, the processing of salt was incredibly important. And if you didn't do it correctly, then it would lose its effectiveness. It wouldn't last. And we have salt that, that lasts a long time. It's, it's a little bit more difficult here in our culture of Southeast Texas where we have so much humidity and it clumps up, but it still remains salty. But Jesus said if it's not processed correctly, it won't maintain its saltiness. And so he's saying you need to process this whole idea of being a disciple. Larry, Carolyn, it's great to see you all over here. When we think about this passage of Scripture, and it says you need to, to hate your wife. I know that you love each other, and that's why you're here today. And you love the Lord. You can love Christ, and you can love your wife and your children. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you can love everybody. It's just you must love me more. So obedience requires preferential treatment, where we prefer Christ over everyone and everything else. Does that make sense? That wasn't very affirming. <laughs> Does that make sense? That to, to hate means to prefer, to prefer Christ over everything else. Does that make sense? Good, good. And then we go, preferential treatment requires evaluation. Okay, let's just follow the train of thought here. Jesus says, you must prefer me over all others. And to do that, you need to understand that I must be over all things. But for us to get to that point, 
we have to make an evaluation. You see, the guy who sold everything to get the pearl made the evaluation that everything, that that pearl was worth more than everything else. The same with the treasure. And the rich young ruler looked and said, my possessions are worth more than following you. They had to make an evaluation. That's why Jesus gives us this example. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. And again, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a bunch of people that are following him. And some are thinking, this guy is going to take us and he's going to destroy the Romans. So I want to be on his side. And some others are saying, he's really got some great stuff to say. We really need to pay attention because I think this could help us to get along a little bit better. And then others are saying, I really think he is the son of God. And so I want to see if he really is. And then some are saying, I already know he's the son of God and I'm committed to him wholeheartedly. So as Jesus is talking to all of these, he's saying, you need to evaluate. Where do you stand with me? So a guy's going to build a tower. First of all, he's going to sit down, he's going to estimate the cost to see if he's got enough money to complete it, because if he doesn't, he's going to lay a foundation, doesn't finish it, and everybody's going to say, what happened? Do we have an example of that right here in Beaumont? How many of you love Papacitas? Any Papacita fans? I love Papacitas. I wish we had a Papacitas. We've got a Papacitas foundation. Did you know that? Right next to Papado. That was the foundation for Papacitas. Who in their right mind, crazy mind, decided that that wasn't a good place to put a Papacitas? I love Carmela's, but I'd go to Papacitas if it was open. What do they do? They laid the foundation out there. And we drive by it on I-10 as we go to Papacitas in Houston, just thinking, I wish that that was here. And we look at it and we think to ourselves, somebody didn't count the cost. There wasn't effective marketing. There wasn't a strategy. They didn't complete what they did. And Jesus said, don't be a Papacitas foundation. If you're coming, come all the way. Don't throw a papados next to it. If you're coming, all in for me. And he goes on with several other examples about a, about a, a king that's going out to war. And he says, you know, if, with, with 10,000, can I overcome the 20,000? And if not, then he's going to have to make an, an appeasement to that. You have to evaluate. To prefer one over the other, you have to evaluate. That's what I did on August the 9th, 1986. On August the 9th, 1986, I became one of the most narrow-minded individuals in all the world. Because on that particular day, I decided that there were roughly two and a half billion women that I was not going to marry. And I said to my wife, Michelle, on that particular day, yes, there are over two and a half billion women. Many of them would love to marry me. But I am choosing to marry you, preferring you. I hate them in comparison to you. So the question is, have we evaluated, is it worth giving up all that I have to follow Christ, to push it all across the table and to say, Lord, I am all in? Who's getting your preferential treatment? Your job? Your money, portfolio, family. Who is getting your preferential treatment? Can you not do a good job with all those things? Sure you can, and you should. Christians should be the very best family members, the best employers. They should be the best neighbors. And the only way we can do that is when we prefer Christ over all things. Whoever has ears, let him hear. You know, Oswald Chambers said 
that the root of all sin is a suspicion that God is not good. I think that's what holds us back, is a suspicion that I would like to be all in, but I'm not really sure that I can trust God. But we can. And in a moment, I'm going to offer a prayer in which, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, you can begin a relationship with him. But, but I need to put that in the context as well. Because you, as, as Westgate family, you hear me say this prayer every single Sunday. And it might come across as that's all it is to be a disciple. You pray, and you say that you surrender all to Christ, but you really must surrender everything to Christ. The prayer that we are about to experience is the beginning point of a relationship with Christ. It is not the end point. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. You must, if you pray to receive me, recognize that you are hating everything else in comparison to me. And that's a worthy trade-off, wouldn't you say? Friends, God loves us. He loves us more than we can imagine. Some of us struggle with love. We, maybe we haven't experienced love the way that love is supposed to be. And it's hard for us to imagine that God really loves us. Some of us have done things that we, we wish that we could take back. We wish that we had never done. We feel like damaged goods. And how could God love us? But the Bible says that cross right there, it's a reminder that God loves us so much that he would give us life for us to have eternal life. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Not for him to be just something out there that we follow, but we walk with him. That's what John 17, 3 says. Eternal life is to know God. So God loves us and he's created us to have this eternal relationship with him, but our sin prevents us from experiencing that. That's what Jesus was saying to all that crowd that was following him. You will never experience what you want, what you think you're going to get from me. You will never experience that in your sinfulness. And that's why I came to take away your sinfulness so you can have a relationship with God. Friends, thankfully, Christ can make us right with God. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins. That means to turn away from our sins, to turn to Christ, to hate everything in our life in comparison to Christ and fully surrender our life to him. If you've never done that, I would invite you to pray a prayer similar to this that I'm about to lead us in, in which you enter into a relationship with Christ, but again, it is the very first starting point of a life of following after him. And for all the rest of us, might we evaluate, do I really hate everything in my life, all that I have in comparison to Christ, or am I still holding back? So let's pray about that as we enter into this time of commitment. Lord, we we're reminded of what your word speaks so forthrightly to us that, my goodness, without you, we can never experience eternal and abundant life. You gave yourself so that we could experience eternity with you and the abundance of walking through this life with you, of following you. Lord, as we were reminded today, we can't follow ourselves and you at the same time. It just doesn't work. I pray that we would fully surrender our life to you. If any friends listening now in this room or online have never received you as Lord and Savior, to cross that line, to say, I'm ready to enter into 
a permanent forever relationship in which I, just like the examples of Scripture say, I'm ready to sell everything for that treasure. I'm ready to give everything away for that pearl of great price. That might they pray a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender. I hate everything. I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you. And I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my brief one and only life. Lord, you've called us to a point of decision today. You've called us. We are in that crowd following you. Various levels of commitment and understanding of who you are. I pray that today, for every last one of us, we would leave this place with a determined resolve to hate everything in comparison to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening. If you feel like God is stirring something in your life, maybe to make a decision to follow Christ, maybe to follow in obedience to be baptized as a demonstration of your faith. You know, maybe in our congregation, someone is calling someone into full-time vocational ministry. We don't talk about that much, but maybe God is saying, I want you to serve me full-time as a minister of the gospel of Christ. Maybe you may want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ. Know that you can pray by the crosses. I'll be standing over at the cross to receive anybody that wants to pray. You can meet us at the Connection Center after the service. I hope you'll just fill out a communication card and meet us there. Or you can pray at the front. But would you allow God to have this time? Would you say in the next five minutes, I hate everything else in comparison to you. So let's stand together, let's sing, and let's respond. sadness from wherever you've been come broken heart and let the rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come near earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can
God bless you. Have a great week, but don't take off. You can be seated. We're having our business meeting, our quarterly business meeting. I'd like to call us into business session. If you did not pick up a, uh, an agenda on your way in, uh, if you would raise your hand, if I could get a couple of guys to, uh, uh, if uh, someone did not get a, an agenda uh, to pass out uh, an agenda. You can see the uh, minutes from our previous um, quarterly business meeting as well as our special called business meeting uh, where uh, we called uh, Stephen uh, Henry to be coming uh, as our new uh, youth minister. So you see uh, our minutes there. If there are no additions uh, to those minutes, uh, those minutes will stand as reviewed. At this time, um, if you look at the bottom of your agenda, you'll see there uh, additions that we've had uh, over the past uh, several months. Lily, who's right down here in front, uh, you'll remember her baptism, uh, as well as Elsa Roy, and then Elaine and Ron Bradford joining us from First Baptist Church of Lake Jackson, Sherry Hutto, from Pinecrest Baptist in Silsby, Vicki Laidner from North End Baptist, and Charles and Mary Mitchell from Calvary. And then also coming by statement is Miss uh, Betty uh, Tozier. And then of course, uh, Sam Slatteritz transferring out, uh, Gary and Kim Coker, and the Woodard uh, family. If I could have a motion that we accept uh, these membership changes, motion over here by Ward McCurtain, a second, uh, by Steve Givens, all in favor say aye. All opposed by nay, and those membership changes will be made. Uh, I'd like to recognize Brad Brown, who will come now and give us our financial report. Thank you, Jeff. Um, I want to call your attention to number six on your agenda. First off, it's called the Next 50 Update. So some time ago, you remember the church made plans to make much needed um, renovations and repairs to our sanctuary and, and across the campus. So uh, we made plans to do that, and we evaluated the cost of doing so. And we counted the money in the bank that we had to do it. And we hated the money in the bank. <laughs> and we did it. So I want you to know that those three projects that you see there amount up to about $961,000. It's a lot of money that we spent out of the bank. But we had the money to do it without any um, risk to our reserve. And we spent about 945. So we have spent under budget on those projects. 
But uh, as you've observed during this worship experience, that we may need to do a little tweaking on some of the sound. And there's still yet to be some uh, projects completed to um, enhance our security around the campus. So we're, we're not through spending, but we're well on track and well under budget in getting all of that done. So congratulations, church, and thank God. Thank you. Yes, that's appropriate response for this monumental program, uh, monumental project that we undertook uh, with God's blessing, and um, we're thankful that he provided for that. I'm looking at a statement of financial condition. Do you see that on your, in your package? Uh, main thing I want to call attention to is the net assets. So in reserve, we have over a million dollars in reserve. So... Um, we have about eight months. If we, if we look at that compared to our operating budget, that's about eight months in reserve. So usually in an uh, entity like this, a church or nonprofit, you would want to have five or six months in reserve because you never know what's going to happen. A hurricane or pandemic, like that won't happen. But in case it does, uh, and we're away from this place and our, um, our funding is at risk, we have plenty in reserve. We have more than enough in reserve to um, carry us through that. So I want to say the church is in good, healthy uh, posi financial position. That's good. I can applaud to that. Yeah. And now I'm looking at the revenues and expenses. So where are we this year? So um, I'm looking at uh, revenues of $610,000. That's about 37% of uh, our, our budget. We're less than halfway through the year, so that's a little short. But how does that compare to our expenditures? Well, I'm looking at page three of that, uh, revenues and expenses. I see we're spending about $600,000 through the first five months. That's about 37% of our budget. So we are, we are spending, um, we're not overspending what we're received this year in our, our giving. But I encourage the church to be faithful in giving because we're about 42% through the year and have only collected 37%. But don't be concerned because we're spend, not spending more than we're taking in. Uh, Jeff, that concludes my report. Any questions concerning the uh, financial report? Motion that we accept the report as given. Pierce Harrington, a second. Uh, Rachel Colvin, uh, all in favor say aye. Any opposed say nay. Thank you very much, Brad. Uh, at this time, I'd like to recognize uh, Morris Varnado uh, from the uh, Missions Committee who will bring uh, uh, two recommendations. On behalf of the Missions Committee, uh, we'd like uh, to make two motions. The first one being that uh, we as a church contribute up to, but not more than 32000 to the Hope Women's Resource Center to pay off a new mobile uh, medical clinic they have. Uh, they use this to go around to communities and to people where uh, they cannot come 
to the uh, center. That motion comes from a committee, does not uh, require a second. Any questions concerning uh, this motion? I see none. All in favor say aye. Any opposed say nay. Motion carries. All right. Okay. Uh, the second one is the mission committee would like to make the motion that uh, Westgate Memorial Baptist Church partner with the Golden Triangle Baptist Network to plant a Hispanic church in the former, former Central City Baptist Church here in Beaumont. Uh, the partnership would include more than financial giving. So uh, let me tell you a little bit. The partnership will include physical, spiritual, and financial involvement. The financial involvement would be $1,000 a month for 36 months. The other portions would be that we would physically be there and support them, that we would pray for them and encourage them over this time. This motion also comes from a committee and does not require a second. Uh, any questions uh, concerning uh, this motion? Yes, Bob. No, $1,000 a month for 36 months. So it would be a, a three-year three commitment uh, to come alongside uh, that church start. I see no other questions. All in favor, say aye. Any opposed? And the motion carries. Thank you, Morris. And Brad already addressed uh, the announcement uh, section, so there being no further business, uh, we will be adjourned. Thank you so much, and have a great afternoon.